you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, or let them simply fall open there because they should. If the good guy didn't beat the bad guy in the end, would there be a movie industry? <laughs> you know, would we read books? We love to see the good guy beat the bad guy, especially when the bad guy is apparently winning all the way along, and then uh, uh, the good guy finds a way to overcome in the, in the end. Uh, and, and, and the more thoroughly the bad guy is put in his place, the more thoroughly he's defeated, the better we like it. Unless we say, oh, there won't be a sequel to this one. <laughs> because, of course, we like our sequels as well. Uh, but today, Jesus seemingly tells us, no, let the bad guy win. Just, just let him win. Uh, today we're going to look first at the teaching of an eye for an eye, right? There's a fun one. And, and, and then at letting the bad guy win as we go through there. He goes an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, uh, turn the other cheek, all, all that stuff, you know, that really can't mean what it sounds like it means. It has to be symbolic of something, honestly, yet what do we do with that? And we're going to see, uh, see today at letting the good guy win, I mean letting the bad guy win, and our real goal, we're not trying to defeat evil people, we're trying to defeat evil. And we need to keep the distinction between those two uh, sharp in our minds. So let's read this passage first, Matthew 5, 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I say to you, do not show opposition against an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other toward him also. And if anyone wants to sue you take your tu and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever forces you to go one mile, to go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. And then he goes on to the next one, you have heard. And, and uh, it's like, wait a minute. It's, I know that's what it says, but what does it mean, preacher? Because it clearly means something else, right? Well, let's start with what you have heard. What you have heard, because he says, you have heard, there was eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and if your Bible uh, either puts it all in caps or in italics or however your Bible does it, it lets you know that he's giving you a quote there. So I'm going to flip back to Leviticus chapter 24, where we read uh, the law as it was given. Leviticus 24, and it's going to be several verses actually, verses 17 through 23, what you have heard. you want a page number? Would that help? <laughs> no. It only helps if you have a giant print Bible. Uh, now, if someone takes any human life, he must be put to death. But the one who takes the life of an animal shall make restitution life for life. If someone injures his neighbor, just as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Just as he has injured the person, so it shall be inflicted on him. So the one who kills an animal shall make restitution, but the one who kills a person shall be put to death. There shall be only one standard for you. It shall be for the stranger as well as for the native, for I am the Lord your God. Right? And so he makes very clear this eye for eye, tooth for tooth, fracture for fracture, uh, bite for bite, cut for cut, insult for... I don't know how far it goes. It's very straightforward, and here's the other thing about it. It is eminently fair. You, you can't argue with that. He, you, he, he cost you an eye? going to cost him an eye. And, and you can say, well, whoa, that's harsh. You go, Actually, 
That is, define fair for me. <laughs> because that's eminently fair. And, it's, and it's, when he did this, it was not the imposition of a harsh rule when God gave this rule. It was a protection against overreaction. He, he set a, something that, that, that nobody could argue. For, you've heard the phrase, payback is a bear. And, and two, guys, two guys just got, you know, whatever it was. Uh, they're, they're on the side of the road, and, and someone they know just drove by and splashed them, right? And they're all muddy and soaking. And one of them looks and says, payback is a bear. And the other guy goes, payback is a mother bear. Now, you know the difference between a bear and a mother bear? Daddy bear, daddy bear is bigger, and he's strong. But he might lose interest. <laughs> he, might, he might just wander off because it's like, you little squirt, you know, you're not worth my time. But mama bear, she is going to rip you to shreds, <laughs> right? Do not mess with mama bear. Everybody knows that. You do not mess with mama bear. And payback is, is a mama bear. It's a way of saying, what it is, it's saying, you hurt me a little, I am going to hurt you a lot. And it's a way of saying, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith Steve. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, and when I say Steve like that, I'm saying it like Steve is special. Whoa, there's trouble, isn't it? And that's what, what is the heart of all this. And, and I, I'm going to call it extreme payback. Extreme payback has a really, really long history. It has a biblically long history. How far back does it go, do you say? Does it go back to Genesis 1? No. Does it go back to Genesis 2? No. Does it go back to Genesis 3? No. But it goes back to Genesis 4. <laughs> Genesis 4. So you can probably guess a page number for this of like 4. <laughs> right? This is way early in your Bible. And we find Cain is worried. Cain has killed Abel, and Cain is afraid that somebody is going to come back and take vengeance on him. Now, by the way, forget your little Sunday school stories you learned where the only people alive are Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, because that is simply not true. Okay? By the time this happened, I'll give you a little, a little hint here. Uh, they had a son that I called the replacement son. Adam and Eve had a son, and she said, God, God has given me a son for, uh, to replace the one that was killed, and they named him Seth. And then a few verses later, it says, Adam was 130 when he became the father of Seth. <laughs> right? So you go, hmm, replacement baby at 130. By the way, ladies, Eve, 130, still having babies. So you can just say, thank you, God. <laughs> right? uh, but but uh, the point being is the world had been around for a while when this happened. Right? The world had been around for a while, and there's probably a really large population, and Cain goes, everybody's going to hear about this. Somebody's going to come back and take vengeance on me. And so here's what God says to Cain. Uh, so the Lord said to him, this is Gen Genesis chapter 4, verse 15. So the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken upon him seven times as much. And the Lord placed a mark on Cain so that no one finding him would kill him. So God gave him a birthmark or something. God put something, maybe it was red hair. Maybe he was the first bald person. <laughs> okay, everybody goes, whoa, that's got to be Cain. Better not kill him. Uh, and and uh, you know, so he was afraid someone was going to hunt him down and take vengeance. God says, no. Anybody takes vengeance on you and kills you, I will, I will come pay it back on him sevenfold. I don't know how you pay seven times killing somebody, but uh, that's what he said. Now, now, that's God taking, God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a few verses down, starting at verse 23. Uh, now Lamech, this is Cain's great-grandson great or great-great-grandson. Uh, 
great-grandson. Cain's great-grandson, a guy named Lamech, said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Pay attention to my words, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. And you hear Lamech say, ha, you want to mess with me? You're going to pay the price. You, you hurt me? I'm going to pay you back 77 times what you did for me. And, he, and he's going, payback, you're going to suffer payback if you mess with me. Payback has a long history. Right? We're going back to about the year, I don't know, something after 130. You know? We're going way back to the, to the, to the, creation, you know, the creation times. Genesis 4, right? Four of, of, of all the chapters in the Bible. This is the fourth one, and we find, we find payback in an in, in extreme payback proportion. Uh, and we find human nature hasn't changed. Everybody who says, yeah, but people were different back then, oh, no, they weren't. Because we understand that. Oh, he did that to me? He's going to suffer for that. And we never think eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Right? Uh, you want another example of extreme payback? Uh, we can just talk about Samson. Right? Samson, uh, he, he is so dumb, he lets them cut his hair. The first thing they do is they gouge out his eyes. Right? And you go, that's harsh. That's gross. It's, but they, you know, they wanted to humiliate him. They wanted to make him, even if he was strong, make him useless. And so, so they, they do that to Samson. They poke out his eyes. Well, Samson gets his strength back. His hair starts growing back. He's in the Philistines' um, temple. And it says there were 3,000 Philistines gathered in this temple. And he prays a prayer to God. Dear God, give me back my strength so I can have vengeance for my eyes. And so God gives him back his strength. They put him between the two pillars. He pushes the pillars apart. Everything crumbles. He dies in it. But it says he killed, therefore, he killed more people in his death than he did while he was alive. And Samson viewed that as, I mean, going, Samson is not a real good hero example, okay? I'm just, just letting you know, in case you say, oh man, I wish I could be like Samson. Samson is one of, the, the two, as far as I'm concerned, the two greatest losers in the Bible are Samson and Solomon. Strongest man, wisest man. Both major failures uh, in the Bible. And Samson blew it, but he, he viewed his eyes as so valuable, you want a payback for my eyes is 2,000 people are going to die. Or 3,000, I don't know how many of those people died. It just says there were 3,000 there. Uh, and more died there than in, he had killed in his life. And we knew he killed a whole bunch of Philistines. So, so anyway, uh, he's saying, you have to suffer a whole lot more than I ever suffered for my vengeance to be satisfied. So you, we take that into 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 apply it to an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we start realizing, whoa, he's rolled it back. So there actually is fairness going on here. And, and we go, you know, if everybody got eye for an eye and tooth for tooth, there wouldn't be a bunch of blind, handless people, you know, toothless people running around. And, and actually there wouldn't be. Because if you were really getting your hand cut off for, or, or uh, tooth knocked out for knocking out someone's tooth, you're going to be really careful about knocking out somebody's tooth. You know? I'm just saying, we, we, would, we would learn that lesson. Uh, it, there, was, there was intense fairness in that. Payback is the idea that anyone who causes you to suffer must suffer much more than the suffering he has caused. And, and put into practice, it can take absurd dimensions. And by the way, the, the modern civilized version of this, punitive damages, Right? Oh, I was in a car wreck and my back hurts. I wonder how much I can get for this. 
<laughs> it's not can, how much will it take to make my back better, which may never happen, sorry. Uh, but but it's, it's how much money can I make from this? And you, you have to talk to the lawyer about punitive damages. And what the lawyer does is look at how much the guy's worth. How much can we sock it to this guy for? And we consider that justice. And, and Jesus would have us say, just an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. We go, I don't want that. I want money. <laughs> right? I want to get something out of this. It's a way of, of coming out ahead. And so we find that eye to eye was not to establish a harsh penalty. Eye for an eye and tooth for tooth was to establish a fair penalty. Uh, and and that, he says, that's what you've heard. And now Jesus is going to go beyond that. He says, I'm asking something better of you. Because payback uh, causes the other person to suffer. And if it's fair payback, it causes the other pay person to suffer equally as you did. And if it's the payback we think of when we think about payback is to make the other person suffer more than you did. But what is the value in that? What is the value? How does someone else's suffering ever make you feel better? You say, well, it might make me feel better. <laughs> well, it might give appeal to your sense of justice. It might, you know, misery loves company. But it doesn't actually fix anything to make the other guy suffer like you did. And Jesus is looking for something better. So he goes into this whole turn the other cheek, go the extra mile thing. Right, so back to Matthew chapter 5. But I say to you, do not show opposition against an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other toward him also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take your tunic and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. And, and, and he says this whole lot of things in this one section. And sometimes if, if you look at this, it's hard to make a correlation between them. It's how does this fit with this? It's, it's like on the one hand, you're turning the other cheek. On the other hand, you're letting somebody borrow from you. How do you make these be the same thing? How do these fit in the same section? And my first thought was, was maybe there's more. But you know, it starts with the, our formula. You have heard it said, but I say. And these all go in the same little category of you, what you have heard and what I say between the next what you have heard and what I say. And they, Jesus intentionally put these together, right? So we have to see why. So they are, and the things he puts here are, don't resist an evil person, turn the other cheek, let him have your cloak also, go the extra mile, give to him a mass, don't turn away from the guy who wants to borrow. And going from one to the, to the other, from, from the beginning to the end, kind of makes it hard to see how they all fit. But here they are. And, and what makes these sayings consistent is the lead statement. Do not resist an evil person. And so it's implied in all of these that the person who you are faced with in each situation is an evil person. A person who is not on your side. A person who is not, at best not looking out for your interests at worst, actively seeking to hurt you. But none of them is on your side. They are all opposed to you in some way. Each of them has you on the receiving end of unfairness. That's what they all have in common. Each of them, you are the receiver of unfairness. And the first thing we want to say is, but that's not fair, <laughs> right? We haven't grown up. <laughs> Maybe, well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe you have grown up. I have not grown up. And I want to say, that's not fair which is exactly what Jesus is saying. When it's not fair, accept that. That's what makes them consistent. He says, do not resist the evil man. Each of them has you receiving it. And, and, and I want to tell you, yeah, there is symbolic. Normally, when we're talking about turning the other cheek, we're not talking about someone literally slapping you. 
and then you're saying, well, here, you missed this side. It's very dramatic to think of that, isn't it? But normally, it's when somebody offends you somehow, insults you or does whatever to you. And be the bigger man, turn the other cheek, you know, that kind of thing. They're saying, don't, don't take payback, do that kind of thing. Normally, we, we want to apply it uh, symbolically, but I want to tell you, if it doesn't also mean what it literally says, then it doesn't mean anything. And it literally means if someone hits you on the cheek, turn to him the other. And you go, but I can't do that. That's not in me. <laughs> he hits me on the cheek, and he wants me to turn the cheek. Uh-uh, I'll turn his cheek. <laughs> right? And then I'll turn his other cheek. That sounds like a lot more fun. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I was in a situation once where I was praying that God would let the guy hit me twice. <laughs> I was literally saying, God, let him hit me. And then I realized I have to turn the other cheek means he has to hit me twice. I'm going, God, let him hit me twice. Please, God, let him hit me twice because I wanted to kill him. And I was doing math, right? I was doing math. And I said, if he hits me twice, then I'm free, <laughs> right? But that's not what he's saying. <laughs> and fortunately, God didn't let him hit me at all. <laughs> I got out of it without losing the tooth or the eye, you know. But, but I, I'll tell you what, I was worked over emotionally and spiritually and everything. But uh, if it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean anything. I don't, know, I don't know how else to read this. I don't know how else to read this but to say it means what it says. It doesn't mean I can't hit back. Uh, it doesn't mean I can't hit back until he hits me twice. It says, "Turn the other cheek." He, he's 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 not saying, you know, you have to go this far before you fight. Which, by the way, uh, I, I I don't think it means you can't defend others. Uh, you know that that that's something something we find. And let me use another Bible story to to illustrate this. This is a story from the story. Uh, 1 Samuel, so it's part of the life of David. And David, I kind of break his life up into three categories. Uh, one, first category is the shepherd. Second category is the warlord. And the third category is the king. And this falls into the second category of David's life. He, he, is, he is what I call a warlord. He's living in the wilderness. He has his mighty men, right? And they are taking care of themselves, living off the land, doing that kind of a thing. I don't know where they got all their means of living. But one of the things they're doing out there is they are actually offering kind of a protection service. And, and in this story, there's a guy by the name of Nabal who has thousands of sheep. And David and his men are out there, and they protect his men and his sheep. Okay. Now, implied in protecting them is from lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, right? but also from bandits who would come and steal. Because, you know, shepherds, shepherds are out there watching their sheep, and they've got their staffs, but they're not highly trained armed so soldiers. And if, if five guys come in with, with their swords on their side, and they say, we're taking some of your sheep, the shepherd can't do much about it, right? But David's men could. And it's implied in there that they were a threat to the bad guys and would hurt the bad guys if they did it. And so the, it comes to sheep shearing time, and David sends some of his men down to Nabal to get... Uh, a little bit of, of reward for this. And Nabal treats them like they're slime, won't give them anything, and kicks them, kicks them away. And David gets ticked. And he's coming down for some payback, right? And so we're in John, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 25. And uh, let me go to chapter 25, verses 32 to 34. Now what happens in this story is Nabal is, is, is kind of a fool. He's a, he's a mean old drunk kind of thing, but he has a beautiful young wife. Uh, and uh, she's smart. 
And she sees this coming. She says, I'm going to cut this off. So she goes. David is on his way down with his men, right? David and his 600 mighty men <laughs> are coming down to fight Nabal the farmer. Right? Guess who's going to win uh, this fight? So she finds him. She goes and she cuts him off. And she makes an offering and she says, don't do this. And here's what David says. Verse 32, 1 Samuel 25. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your discernment, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed. And listen to what he says. And from avenging myself by my own hand. And David, see, David killed. By this time, David was already the guy that they sang songs about that said Saul has slain his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Right? David is already a warrior. David is a warrior and a leader of warrior. He has killed lots of men in battle. But you know what he has not done is taken his own vengeance. He has not fought for his own personal cause. He has fought for the cause of God. He has fought for the cause of, he's fought for the cause of king and country. Right? He's fought for the cause of God. But he has not fought for his own cause. He has not fought to, fought to uphold his own right. And he says, thank you, for protecting me from taking vengeance into my own hand. And I think that, does, in my mind, that explains this turn the other cheek thing uh, in a proper way because we go, but wait a minute. Someone breaks into my house. I'm going to defend my wife. Yes, you may. <laughs> in fact, you must, <laughs> right? Uh, because that's part of your responsibility. Uh, but but uh, it, you, for ourselves, we don't, that's, this is, goes back to that whole meekness thing. Uh, we, we don't protect ourselves. We protect others. And, and uh, that sounds really tough, but that's what it means. Turn the other cheek. And, and it's, he's not, by the way, he's not applying to, applying, talking about a life and death situation here either. Uh, and it's like, yeah, there's points where I go, I don't know how far you take this. And, and hopefully if you're ever in this situation, God gives you the wisdom and understanding to know what to do. But violence to protect others is okay, but for your own sake is not. That's what I walk away with. And then he goes on from turn the other cheek to, to this suit thing. Right? And if anyone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Now, this does not mean if someone wants to sue you and he's going after the punitive damages and has, you know, is seeking your whole house and all that stuff that so you have to sell your garage along with it. That, that's not, not what it's saying. This is a small claims court kind of thing. Right? That, that they, they, they didn't have the, the kind of ridiculous lawsuits we have today. They have, but they did have what we would call small claims court. Right? And, and, and so they would, they would take you to, clo to, to, to court and say, hey, this guy owes me a tunic. And the judge says, well, make him have the tunic. And in this case, by the way, it's implied that he is, the, he is in the wrong because it's don't resist an evil man. Right? Uh, a good guy, he's, he's not the good guy and you're the wrong guy. You're the one in the right. But Jesus says, give him, give him your cloak also. He wants, he wants your cloak, give him your tunic too. You know, give him more than what he's asking for. Don't bother going to court over this. And, and, and it's, it's tough. Give, I mean, give him what he's asking and then some. Uh, and you go, wow, that can't, that can't mean that. But if it doesn't mean that, I don't know what else it means. I... I Either, either Jesus is right or he's not. And you know, this, you know what this makes me think? Is we think of Jesus as being so nice and easy. He's the one we want. And then you get him and you go, Jesus, this is hard. <laughs> that sounded like I was swearing, didn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was speaking to him and using his name. I was <laughs> I 
And you go, but you're supposed to be nice. You're supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be gentle and loving to follow you. And we find out, no, he's, he's actually making this pretty hard. But he's doing the right thing. Then he says, go the extra mile. And, and go the extra mile. Help him more than he's asking. Presumably going the other mile is, I think, I think the, the picture was the soldier would come along and make someone carry a load for him. And the soldier had the legal right to carry it, make you carry it for a mile. And you carry it for the mile and you say, you know, he's going to make some other slob do the next mile. I'll do that too. And, and, and take it too. Right? And, and do more for them. And in each one of these cases, he's the evil guy. So let's take it back to the borrower. How can a borrower be the evil guy? I borrow things, you borrow things, we lend, we borrow, we, we, you know, we, we pay back. That's, that's, how's that bad? Well, you know that guy who borrows from you and then doesn't return it? You know that guy? <laughs> I had a friend once who... Uh, we were talking, and he said something, and some guy came up, and I had nothing against the guy, and I didn't know him very well, and I said something. He goes, nope, not doing anything with him. I said, why? He says, he borrowed my lawnmower. I'm going, so? He says, he never brought it back. How long ago did he do this? Two months? Why don't you go get it back? I don't have to go ask for my own lawnmower back. Now, that makes sense. You should not have to ask for your own property. But I would have gone and asked for my lawnmower back. <laughs> but he was, he was kind of indignant about it. He didn't, he didn't go ask because, I don't think, he didn't say, I'm following Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> He's, but he was, he, was, he was on his rights. As, I, don't, I should not have to go. And I'm, I'm going, so he, he ended up buying another lawnmower. So one way or the other, he did follow Matthew chapter 5. But, but you know, that guy. He says, and why do I come up with that guy? Because he's in this category of do not resist an evil man. And that guy, he's not out there actively seeking to do you harm, but he is certainly not interested in your welfare. And he's costing you something. And he says, do not refuse him. And you go, okay, I have it written right here. Do you want to scream, that's not fair? Yeah. It's like, this goes against everything within me to put up with this. I can, it is not in me, God, to be this guy who does these things. And, 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 and we say, it's not fair, and that's exactly right. You, but do you want fair? Do you want an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Fracture for fracture? It, it certainly is fair, but Jesus is telling us there's something better than vengeance. There's something better than getting what's fair. And I want to turn to Romans 12. I, I knew there was something wrong with that scripture reading. And as he was reading, I thought, this is the wrong scripture reading. Uh, and, you know, I do that. It's supposed to be Romans 12, 17 to 21. Yeah, hopefully this will be a little bit easier to make sense of with this message than Romans 10, 17 to 21. Nothing wrong with Romans 10, 17 to 21. It's just wrong for this message. <laughs> Romans 12, 17 to 21. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Uh, for in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then finally, the last verse, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Now, I'll tell you, the first message, I, 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 you, I sometimes talk about my title in the message. Uh, my first title for this message was Defeating the Evil Person. And then I, I didn't feel quite right about it. I couldn't figure out what it was. And finally, I looked at it. I'm not, you're not defeating the evil person. You're defeating evil. There's a difference. See, if you become evil to defeat the evil person, you defeated the evil person, but evil has defeated you. And, and you lose in, 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 in winning you know, the, the TV version where you smack the guy and then he repents, <laughs> which is kind of satisfying, isn't it? Uh, it it's, he says, overcome evil with good. The first and the last verse of this passage, right? 17, never repay evil to evil for, to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. And verse 21, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So he says, never repay evil for evil to anyone. You find the evil person there, because it says anyone, you have the person. But at the end, it doesn't mention a person at all. It just says, overcome evil with good. And you're not overcoming the person, you're overcoming evil. We get distracted by the thoughts of overcoming the evil person. It, there's a certain amount of drama in overcoming the evil person. And you know the right kind of drama, where the good guy does win in the end, right? Uh, and, and, and we get distracted by that. And it's... Yeah, it's easy to defeat the evil person. Go get a bigger gun. <laughs> it's like Bugs Bunny, right? You, ever, you see Bugs Bunny, and, and, and Elmer Fudd's got the shotgun, and Bugs Bunny rolls up with the machine gun, and El, Elmer gets the cannon, Bugs Bunny gets the bigger cannon, and before you know it, the army's flying in. <laughs> get a bigger gun. Have a better lawyer. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Mason, <laughs> you know, burn down his house. <laughs> That'll teach him. <laughs> Little extreme. <laughs> oh, but it sounds so vengeful. You can get vengeance and you can defeat the evil person, but you have become an evil person yourself. What have you possibly gained by doing that? Uh, you haven't. You've lost far more than you gained. When we think of defeating the evil person, we are thinking much too small. God has made us to be bigger that thinkers than that. God has made us to have bigger goals and purposes than that. Uh, we're not to defeat the evil person. We are to defeat evil himself, it, not himself, itself. And when we resort to doing wrong to defeat someone, then evil has won. It's, it's just that complicated. Romans 12, 19, in the middle between those two, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Don't take your own vengeance, leave that to God. You turn the other cheek. You go the extra mile. You give to that loser who never returns your stuff. Right? You don't want to. What you want to do is teach him a lesson. You want to take vengeance. Do you trust God enough to do that for you? Do you? It's like, no, I don't. You know how I don't trust God to do that? Because I'm like Jonah. He might be merciful. And I don't want God to be merciful to them. I want them to suffer. And because I don't trust God to be vengeful enough the way I want, I will take vengeance into my own hands. That's why I don't trust God to do vengeance. I hate being like Jonah. But you know, 
what I find out again and again. I used to think I wasn't like Jonah. I used to think I was better than Jonah. But the older I get, I, Jonah lives deep within Steve. That's what I have found. Steve likes to see people suffer sometimes. <laughs> Not always. Certain people sometimes. And if God never does take vengeance, is that that bad a thing? Oh, sinner. Saved by grace. I mean, isn't that what we pray for? The funny thing is, we pray for salvation for all sorts of sinners overseas. We pray for our missionaries. We pray for the gospel to go forward in power with all sorts of things. But I'm not praying for that guy. <laughs> oh my goodness, I am so wise, am I not? That's what we pray for. Is that not what we thank God for? That he had mercy on me? Mike's t-shirt, I am that wretch. Is that what it says? You know, with amazing grace, how great the sound that saved a wretch like me. Some of you accepted Christ as small children, and you never did the things where you sit back and go, what if God was to take vengeance on me for what I did? Some of you are terrified at the thought of what if God took vengeance on me for what I did. We forget how deserving we are of God's vengeance. But somehow we still want vengeance on that other person. Or maybe you're the guy who never needed to fear God's vengeance. Maybe you're that one. And, and when God does take vengeance, that will be a terrible thing. Because he will. His day of vengeance is coming. And when you say, I would not wish that on my worst enemy, it is something you would not wish on your worst enemy. God's day of God's vengeance is a horrible thing. You who have escaped God's vengeance yourself, would you wish that on someone else? But we get offended and we get angry and we say, no, I'm going to take vengeance. <laughs> we are so small and petty and when I say we, I believe me, it's the royal we, it's including me. We don't overcome evil by hitting back harder. You know, we, we don't do it by the bigger gun or the better lawyer. We overcome evil by being good and doing good. And, by, and when I say we overcome evil, we may or may not make an impact on that person. I mean, it's, it's nice when the story ends well and you can tell the story of, yeah, the guy, the guy this, this happened and that happened and I turned the other cheek and, and, and man, he took advantage of that and he did this and that. But you know, three years later, he came back and we had a talk and he accepted Christ. That's an awesome story, isn't it? I don't have any stories like that. <laughs> it may not always turn out that way. Or if it does, you may never know about it. We don't know that we have overcome the other person, evil in the other person. But you know what we have overcome? <laughs> We've overcome some evil in ourselves. And we have become better people as we do these things. When we want vengeance, we are thinking too small. You know what we should want? We should want souls. I, I want vengeance. You slap me on the cheek, it hurts. I cry like a baby. You know, I, 
I, I say, wah, do I want to slap you on the cheek so you can cry like a baby and say, wah, then I'll feel better? <laughs> do I want your soul? I don't want your soul like, ha ha, you know, the evil devil wants his soul. <laughs> that evil person should remind us of ourselves. And we should have pity on him. We should be willing to suffer some temporary injustice in this world on the chance that God will make it right in this world even before the next. And it's not like, ha-ha, your day is coming, you will get yours. Because that will happen if he doesn't repent. But we should be seeking something better. God will make it right in the end. And in the meantime, we can overcome evil with good and accomplish what God wants us to do. Let's close in prayer. Father God, these are some hard things. Uh, they're not hard to read on paper, but they're hard in real life. Father God, I ask you to help us to be the kind of people who can live this out in our lives, trusting you, trusting your vengeance, and trusting your mercy even more. I pray in Jesus' name.